Nylander in the Oilers off sharp angle. Shot, he scores! Here's Seabrook, great circle, fires, he scores! Oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose puck in front, they score! It's on! Shoot, he scores! The Cat connects with a one-timer. It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw. To Doc over the Sabre line down the left. He scores! Kirby Doc! Here's Doc with the back and he scores! Kirby Doc! The first two-goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better. That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, sponsored by FanList. Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio, joined by Blackhawks reporter uh, Joe Brand, joining us for a second podcast, second of many straight ahead. And what a difference a week makes since our last podcast. We'll dive into that. A little bit more after we tell you that Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. And when tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash Blackhawks Crazy. Thanks to our sponsors. And with that, we thank you for joining us for another edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. And Joe, uh, when we were here a week ago at the United Centers, we record after Monday's 4 nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues. They were celebrating a shutout win over division rival. And three points out of a possible four as they started this five-game stretch against the Central Division. But uh uh-oh, then the Colorado Avalanche showed up, and uh, then the St. Louis Blues, still with with plenty of swagger uh, from their Stanley Cup uh, championship back in the spring. It has managed to carry over, no hangover so far. Uh, They came in and showed the Blackhawks twice in the Avs case. uh, There's still some climbing to do. And uh, not to get too high over those two victories over the Dallas Stars, there have been some injuries in the equation as well. We'll get into a little bit more of that. But it just goes to show you how quickly things can change in this league, and especially when you're going up against the league's elite, especially if you're you're trying to you're a team trying to still find your way during the season. And it's interesting too when you bring up last week, the Hawks grabbed three out of four points possible from the Dallas Stars, but they've only had one win over their last seven games, and it's just it just seems like two not totally different teams, but two very different teams with the effort, the talent, and the outcome of those two games against Dallas, and then what you were dealing with in these last three games with two in Colorado, or against Colorado, and then one against St. Louis today, because today might have been 
the best, I don't want to say effort, but the best overall output that the Hawks had in these last three games, and they still got shut out for nothing. I, th- I think I read that this was the first shutout at home in nearly two years. Uh, St. Louis is a very good team. So is Colorado. Coming into this game, the Hawks were fighting an uphill battle before the opening puck drop even dropped. But it doesn't really seem like any of the players care about that, and it doesn't seem like Jeremy Colleton cares about that because of the type of team this was against Dallas in back-to-back games. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, fighting the uphill battle. Duncan Keith missing his second straight game. And for all those people who want to dog Duncan Keith on social media, I think uh, it's it's a pretty good example. And, and Grant, they, they may not have even won these two games if Duncan Keith were in the lineup. And it was a struggle when he was in the lineup. I don't know how close to 100% he was on Black Friday against Colorado. But a second straight game for Keith, that kind of remains open-ended how long he'll be out. Fourth straight game without Dylan Strom. It appears as though he's a little bit closer after skating on Sunday, participating in the morning skate on Monday, that he might be closer to returning from concussion protocol. Um, Drake Kajula hasn't played since November 10th. He is also skating as well, eligible to return Thursday against Boston. Andrew Shaw with a mysterious injury that's popped up. Don't know any further details. Last we heard Monday morning after the skate was he was still being evaluated in terms of whatever it is, how severe it is. And then Robin Leonard came down with a bug. We'll hear from Robin a little bit later. Um, Maybe he was sick after that Saturday performance in Colorado by the entire team, and uh, we'll hear what he had to say afterwards. But all that combined, and and there's stuff going around on on this team as well because there's also – the Mark Crawford situation, because uh, now an assistant coach is uh, no longer with the team, at least for the time being, because it's all fallout from the uh, from the Bill Peters situation, and former players are starting to come out and talk about some of their past relationships with coaches, and some stuff has come out about Mark Crawford from his coaching days. Um, former Hawk Brent Sopel, one of them. Uh, Sean Avery, who's a controversial NHL figure during his playing days, also coming out and saying some things. The Blackhawks' official statement right before warm-ups on Monday reading, uh, we will be conducting a thorough review of assistant coach Mark Crawford based on the recent allegations that have been made regarding conduct with another organization. Uh, Mark will be away from the team during this time, and the organization will have no further comment upon completion of the review. You'll hear Jeremy Carlson here momentarily after Monday's loss. Uh, being asked that question and addressing it a little bit more, but speaking in general terms. But besides the performance on the ice, it is tied, yes, to some of the injuries, but there's also seems to be a crisis of confidence that Colorado slapped on them in these two games, in those in those two losses. And now you have a little bit of an added distraction with one of the assistant coaches. There's a lot on the Blackhawks' plate here and a lot to try to handle while – trying to fight their way out of this little rut that they're in. Yeah, when you bring up everything and when you dissect it, it it makes sense why this team has lost three straight. You lose one of, if not the best defender in Duncan Keith. You're missing a guy in Dylan Strom who, when this offense was clicking, he was a huge reason of that. And and not only that, when you take Dylan Strom off of Alex Dabrinkit's line, we were talking about Alex Dabrinkit scoring drought, but how he was still able to assist guys like Dylan Strom. That kind of takes a piece out of Alex Alex Dabrinkit's game. Andrew Shaw has been a spark plug. Jeremy Colleton said today, 
We are just one shift away from turning the momentum when you're down two to nothing. So if all these things happen, yeah, it's not that big a surprise that you you lose three straight, but it doesn't seem like anybody is using excuses. So if you're a Hawks fan, okay, you've got to be happy about that. But Jonathan Taves is a guy that is was very critical about the offense today. Jeremy Colleton saying that St. Louis is a team that made us work for our chances, and that is very true. You basically faced a St. Louis team that is still riding a high from a Stanley Cup championship last season. They caught a few breaks and jumped out to a 2 nothing lead. But St. Louis isn't a team that needs to find luck. They create their own luck. And the Blackhawks are a team that, once you catch a little bad luck, all of a sudden that uphill battle totally inclines. And it's so much more difficult for them to get over that hump. Yeah, The Blues have their blueprint, if you will, that has worked. And they have guys that they can plug in, even though... I was expecting the way Vladimir Tarasenko terrorized the Blackhawks for him still to score against the Blackhawks tonight, even though he's he's gone for, I think, the entire regular season with that shoulder surgery. But the Blues are running on autopilot right now, and I called it afterwards a very workmanlike effort. They didn't do anything particularly special, but when another team gives them an opportunity, they're able to jump on it, and that's what happened on the first goal. The power play, a bad call against Patrick Kane, granted, but they were able to cash in on that, and all of a sudden they're off to the races, and the Blackhawks' offense has all of a sudden dried up too. They're, they're, they're facing a couple of these teams that make it more difficult for them to get through the transition game that was working so well. You put the injuries on top of that, and over these last seven games in which they're 1-5-1, and one, uh, they have scored a total of 21 goals. That includes an empty netter. So personnel is a part of it, but, you know, this league is always, you know, constant adjustments. When one team notices what another is doing that is successful, they'll make their adjustments, and they've made it really, really tough on the Blackhawks. So you mentioned Jeremy Colleton and Jonathan Taves. Let's hear from them back to back here, uh, following the Monday four nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues. You'll hear Jeremy about the team's play in particular. Also, briefly address the Mark Crawford situation, and then that's followed by the captain Jonathan Taves, who played in his 900th game but uh, continues to struggle. He is at four goals and 14 points. I think that's a pace for about 40 points on the season. You need more from your captain on that. Let's hear from Jeremy and Jonathan right now. So, uh, first of all, you know, very disappointed with the result, and uh, I didn't think we, we didn't play with the energy we needed to, um, to be good, and I uh, thought execution wasn't there either. Uh, obviously, you know they get they get the lead early. That uh, plays right into their hands. Uh, they're a very good defensive team, and they played a smart road game. They uh, they didn't expend a ton of energy. They just were were smart and um, you know made us work for our chances. And uh, I don't think I, th- I wish we'd have made them work for for um, theirs a little harder. Uh, obviously, they score in the power play, and we don't. Uh, you know, the, those are all little things that impact the game. And uh, yeah, we. We got to be better. Um, certainly, the last three games have been really disappointing. After uh, two pretty good efforts against Dallas, and uh, we we have to find we have to find the energy, and we have to find uh, we have to find a better performance. That's the bottom line. And uh, there's still lots of points out there, and we have a good enough team, as we've shown, to to put a run together. But uh, it's got to happen now. Are you seeing common themes over these last three games? Uh I think the common theme is we've we've given up too much. Um, it's been in different ways. Uh, it comes. I, I do think though, we, if we're aggressive and we're 
um, you know, able to play in the offensive zone and extend zone time and, and create momentum from our from that energy. We're, we're a much tougher team to play against, and I think that's been missing. When energy isn't there after two losses, after an off day, what does that tell you? Um, well, it, it tells me that we got to do a better job of preparing ourselves. And, uh, you know, obviously as coaching staff, we got to find the right button um, to, to get our guys to come out from the beginning playing the way we need to. And uh, we have two days to, to discuss it and we'll practice and uh, we got to respond. And, uh, again, the time is now. Is there a certain amount of it that has to do with the fact that you guys are missing two of your top players? Teams play without players, you know, and, and there's no question the guys that are out, um, they're they're good players for us. But uh, you know, St. Louis is missing guys too. You just we have to we have to find a way to to come through, and those you got to find a way to get points. You know, you can't go a bunch of games and not get points. You just uh, it makes it too hard. You, the, the, the hill you got to climb to get back into it is is uh, too much. So we're still there, but uh, we got to put some games together. Just the point involved is the stretch of central games was, was critical, and you only got a couple. Sorry, it's okay. disappointing that this kind of lull has come against the central division foes. Yeah, those games are always important, and four pointers uh, with with uh, teams you're going against. I think the common thread is they've been excellent teams, and they've played really well against us. And uh, you know, would like to see us respond better to that challenge. Were you involved in the decision to remove Crawford from the team for a little bit here? And, and what's your reaction to that situation? Well, it's an uh, organizational decision, and I know they put out a statement, and I understand the reason for the review. I can only speak for my time with uh, Mark. He's been excellent and uh, really enjoyed that. He's added a lot to our group and our staff and our players, so I'll leave it at that. Do you feel that being down a skater affected anything tonight? No. Um, you know, we teams play 11 forwards across the league um, you know we didn't have the extra D but uh, I don't think that affected things we just uh, we just weren't good so coach you have to shoot him tonight 38-30 is it more now about okay you got a, got a lot of shots on goal in terms of quantity but is it now more about focusing on the quantity or uh, quality they me. did a good job of keeping us to the outside I would like to see us beat our guide in the net more um, at times we did and we had some good chances we didn't score on them um, that sod in particular found a way to get in uh, a bunch of times, and uh, but we need more of that. We need more of it throughout the lineup. Uh, power play has got to be better, and uh, you know at, at any point, especially at home, it, we're one shift away from from gaining momentum and, and having a chance to turn the game, especially when it's two two nothing for so long. Uh, you're one shift away, and we just could not seem to put multiple shifts together. We had our chances and we didn't convert and you know that's an opportunity or the power play is an opportunity and, and we just didn't come through. How about the playoff side? I think he's been very consistent over these last few games, last few weeks. Yeah, I mean you could say that probably for the whole year. Um, thought it was really good tonight. He seemed to be able to create whoever he was with so that's part of the, when we were juggling uh, throughout the game, ended up putting Taves and Debrinkett and Kane together hoping they could get something going because it seemed like Sauter was creating no matter what and we just uh, didn't finish. Years, but this short stretch here, how frustrating has this been? Uh, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, uh, considering the fact that we were playing some pretty good hockey there when a couple games against Dallas and a few games before that, so it's just uh, 
got to find a way to get that cons- consistent effort. You know, obviously there's been some tough travel. You're not going to have your legs. You're not going to be flying every every single night. And I don't think you can even say they had their best game, but they managed the game. They, they played patient. They played smart. Uh, we got to find ways to do that where we have five guys together in the picture helping each other out in the puck area and we're just kind of looping through areas and we're just separate and we're all over the place so um, you're bound to make mistakes when guys are swinging around and not winning puck battles and, and not just just playing the situation so it's frustrating I think we, we still had our chance to score and, and uh, they seem to capitalize on theirs so uh, it's frustrating when those things don't go your way When you're going to the game and you're down a man to start that had an impact on how do you guys began the game? Well, I mean, it is what it is. I think uh, we got down in, you know, on the score pretty early in the game, and sometimes you shorten your bench in those situations anyway, so something we're used to, so shouldn't be that big of a deal. You're surprised to be in a situation where you guys were playing you're down a guy to, to start the game? Uh, yeah, but I mean, again, we've, we've played with 11 forwards before, and like I said, we've shortened our bench in a lot of uh, different situations, so something we can all adapt to. Jonathan, did you feel the focus was there throughout tonight? Yeah, I think the effort, and the, I mean, we tried. We just, uh, you know, again, um, sometimes just simplifying, making sure our passing is there, and, and we're just, we weren't crisp. We weren't, uh, we weren't executing, we weren't doing those little things right again, where it just, uh, it makes everything tougher on, and on all five guys when, when we're not making those simple plays. Mentioned all five now playing as a unit. What's the cause of that? How do you fix it? No, it's just experience. Um, like I said, you're not going to be flying. You're not going to be on your A game every single night. It's a long year. You play a lot of games. You travel a lot. Every team goes through it. So we're not sitting here making excuses. You got to find ways to play through that. I gave you some of Jonathan Taves' numbers uh, for the season. We talked previously about Alex Debrinket. Nine assists in the last 11 games, no goals. His last goal was November 7th. Jonathan and Alex combined have three five-on-five goals for the season. You're going to need a whole lot more from that. And that just creates a trickle-down effect in, in needing more from other guys who may not be capable of doing it, whether it's a Nylander, whether it's a, a Kirby Doc going through some obvious growing pains that should not have been unexpected. Uh, Brandon Saad, I think, has been a real consistent player for this team this year. But uh, missing some of the other guys, it's it's just all gone quiet and all gone kind of dry. And the goaltenders have done a great job of keeping the team in games. And you hope they can play at the level. I don't even know if Corey was at his sharpest on Monday night either. And you throw the power play situation on top of it where they're now three for their last 27 over 10 games and sitting in the bottom five in the league. Um, if you want to contend this league, you need at least one special team to be clicking. Penalty kill did make some steps. Now I think they've given up a power play goal in each of the last three games, I believe. So uh, there's just a whole lot weighing on this team right now that isn't going right. Offensively, here's what Jonathan Taves used. And I know you just heard it, but these are the words that really stuck out to me. They're playing separate, and they're playing all over the place. That just totally seems like an offense that has no rhythm right now. No momentum, no chemistry. Uh, The power play Monday night, the first one... Boy, time on ice or you know whatever statistic you want to use, the, the amount of pressure they had was there, but they didn't generate any shots. I think they generated one in the second power play. The first thing is to set something up 
and the next step is to get a quality shot. They they never had one of those. And Troy Murray, our, our own color commentator, mentioned how Patrick Kane was stalling too much, and that's what freezes up the power play. And that's what happens with struggling teams, though, is they're looking for the perfect pass, they're looking for the perfect shot, and then by the time you think you've got it, it's too late or it was never there. Uh, that that still is what is limiting this offense. I feel is just just that chemistry, that fluid motion. You mentioned the stats of Jonathan Taves and Alex DeBrinket. Yes, I agree with you with Brandon Sodden. This is something he was doing last year too. Is just generating chances all on his own too. They've been sol- solo efforts. But even Patrick Kane today, who saw his 15 game point streak come to an end, saying he doesn't feel like he's at his he was at his top level offensively today. So, I mean, that's saying something if Patrick Kane's able to admit that. Yeah, and there's been a lot of mixing and matching and juggling with the injuries, too. You know, is Ryan Carpenter the right guy to still stick between? Yeah, I know they were trying to win faceoffs. If you're using Kirby Doc, then you're continuing to use Kirby Doc between those two, which some people feel should have been the case. You're running the risk of not winning faceoffs. I mean, Kirby's only at about 33, 35% clip this year. So that all goes into the equation. I can try and understand Jeremy trying to, uh, you know, experiment with some different things. But you can just see the hesitancy and um, the uncertainty on that power play from the stands, from up in the broadcast booth, from TV. When it ain't going, you can you can obviously tell that they're really fighting it. Nobody wants to make a mistake, yeah. and that's unfortunately that's contagious. Or looking for the perfect play too much. Exactly. Yeah. So it's going to be, and it might be one of those things that just clicks all of a sudden, and then you roll with it. But but right now you're right. They're I don't want to say they're playing scared, but but hesitant is probably the right word. All right. Uh, well, not a whole lot went right uh, on Saturday to say the least in Denver. Well, the one thing that did go right was a Brandon Side shorthanded goal that brought the Hawks a one nothing lead in the opening, what, two minutes of the game. After that, it all seemed to go downhill. Not seem, it, it definitely did. The middle of that ice was wide open against a team you cannot do that against, and Colorado got one of their stud players back, had a whole bunch of fun. Second straight night, they had a 3-1 lead after one. Second straight night, they expanded that to 5-1 in the second period. And on that second night, Robin Leonard was pulled after allowing those five goals on 14 shots. The stat goes under him, but uh, it was definitely a collective effort. He has to wear that on the stat sheet, which has been very good for him so far this season, uh, really going above and beyond uh, some games when the play in front of them has really not been that good. Well, you probably saw it on the TV broadcast when he got back to the bench. He had some words for his fellow teammates before he exited down the tunnel. Uh, just looked like he said, shouted something real briefly, took a step, and then stepped toward his teammates once again, said something else real briefly, and uh, then made his way down into the tunnel. A lot of people saw it. He was asked about it. And one thing we've learned about Robin Leonard in the early going is when he is asked about something, he isn't afraid to address it in in a pretty honest manner. And here's some of what Robin had to say after being yanked Saturday night against the Avs. It's nothing personal. I've, you know, we we really like each other in here. Uh, I think all the guys care about each other. It's a good group. Uh, It's 5-1, five minutes into the second. and uh, we're not playing good enough. I, I don't know exactly what I said. I probably said that we have to wake up, you know. And I think my track record speaks for itself. It's nothing directed to any person or anyone or not towards myself. We, 
it's embarrassing. We, we, we have to turn around. We have to wake up. I mean, I hate losing. I think a lot of us don't like losing, and it's nothing wrong to to hold each other accountable. You know, it's nothing personal. It's not a bad thing. You know, we've shown that we can play. It's just we have to decide to play the the right way uh, all the time. We can't just uh, go chasing uh, in the offense and then just totally forget about the defense. You know, defense is the most important part, and we have really good, skilled offensive players here that can counterattack when the other team makes mistakes. But uh, we seem to get in trouble, you know, when we try throw too much at them and and we uh, don't do the things that, that makes it successful consistently enough so we uh, we definitely have to it's, it's just time to look ourselves in the mirror and just do the right things it's kind of what it's all about uh, it's uh, it's on us as players to do the right things never a dull moment with the uh, Vezina Trophy finalist and uh, but always refreshing um, it's, it's not hockey speak it's not you know, we got to dump pucks in. We got to give it 110%, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Robin pretty much telling it like it is. And that should not be an issue in this dressing room, even though the cachet of, you know, four guys have won three cups, another three guys have won three. There's Olimata with two rings. Um, he is a guy who at least walks the walk when he talks the talk. His performance has been if not one of the highlights, the highlight of the Blackhawks' performance so far this season. And I like a guy saying he hates to lose. And um, he acts that way. He plays that way. And that's not to say that there aren't others in this room or the rest of the room hate. You know, has something less than hating to lose. But uh, you have to call it out that way. And there, there are times when you've seen games and shifts with this team where – you kind of notice a, a, a hate-to-lose kind of attitude. And I think he's noticed it as well, and, and he's not afraid to call anybody out on it. I don't think Robin Leonard would be this vocal if he didn't feel like he, he truly had to. And I'm not even talking about what he says in the dressing room or, or to the media, but like you said, what happened in Denver. I, <laughs> this might be a stretch, but in the movie Little Big League, when the kid gets hired as the manager and he he's looking at the players who aren't doing that well, he's like, "You guys are all stars, you know." And they're like, "All right, kid, you know what he's saying." I almost feel like that's Robin Letter just trying to remind everyone of how talented this team is and how how special this group can be because of all they've accomplished in the past. And like you said, he's able to do that because of what he's able to put on the ice this season. He's such. A blessing for the Chicago media. He's just everything he says is is a fantastic quote, and you just you really hope that he continues this stretch, which I think he will, because he's just such a a uh, goaltender that does the basics, that is so structured in between the pipes that it's not a streakiness thing. It's just a guy that knows what he's doing on a day to day basis, but. I, I think he's constantly trying to wake the team up. And I don't think it's just a flip of the switch thing. That's not what hockey is. But he is doing this right now to to try and be that extra force, it seems like. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see if he gets well, gets back in the net on Thursday. In Boston, it's another back-to-back situation for the Blackhawks. So you figure those two games will be split up uh, You know, if Robin's healthy along with Corey Crawford because it's Boston on Thursday and then New Jersey on Saturday. All right. Ernie Scatton, what time is it? Slapshot questions. 
Tweet your questions to the guys at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one for your questions to be read on the podcast. Got a couple questions, uh, hashtag slap shots during the course of the 4 nothing loss to St. Louis based on the way things were going and have gone the last three games. I thought we were going to get a lot more, but uh, at least a couple here that we want to get to. Uh, let's start with our, our friend Margo, who's uh, always always involved here. And uh, Margo, with Leonard's sickness, the Blackhawks called up Kevin Lankinen from, from Rockford to be the emergency guy behind Corey Crawford. And the bigger story in that is... They needed a backup goaltender, and that's why the Blackhawks only skated 17 skaters because uh, leaving Corey that vulnerable, if he should go down to injury, it's also a cap management situation. So with this being only one game, thought they could get by with 11 forwards and six defensemen. I don't know if really that was that big of a factor in the 4 nothing loss. But Margo asked, about why didn't the Hawks call up Colin Delia to back up Crawford? Was it too much of a cap hit? And she also welcomes Joe to the pod, doing a good job as well. But uh, I think all you have to do is look at the numbers. Even though Delia has the experience, um, the numbers that he's shown so far in Rockford probably swayed them to give Lincoln in that shot in the emergency, emergency situation on Monday night. Like you said earlier, yes, thank you very much, Margo. Appreciate the constant activity on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you really brought up the numbers for Colin Delia's. You uh, did the fine research here. Two and five, two five and I looked oh. it up on the stat sheet. <laughs> yeah. Two five and zero, oh, uh, averaging over four goals a game and a save percentage that's just over eight sixty. I, I also think it it wasn't it didn't have anything to do with the salary cap because. It didn't matter who they brought up because they couldn't hit that, what, $300,000 range or so because anybody they would have brought up from Rockford would have affected that. So just a really rough and unfortunate spot for the Blackhawks to be in. But like you said, like Jeremy Colleton said, and like Jonathan Tave said, I don't think the fact that they had 11 forwards and six defensemen today was the result of the loss. Yeah, uh, Ice Hogs and, and the Hawks are looking for Delia to really bounce back strong here because it gotten to the point where Lankin had been playing well, and he did that from the World Championships in the spring on. And I mean, he was he was a, a part of that Finnish gold medal team, and he was a hero when Finland won the the World Championships back in the spring, and he has carried that over into Rockford. And it got to the point also where Rockford has also called up Matt Tompkins, who was the goalie down at India, the ECHL, to have some games in Rockford. Dealey's got to figure some things out here, and, and hopefully uh, Colin does, because when he did show here over the course of the last couple seasons when he got those opportunities, uh, what he showed was encouraging. Start this year, not so good. Steve, who goes by Spyboy99 on Twitter, uh, asked us, are the Hawks considering loaning Doc to Team Canada? So this goes to the situation in uh, from a year ago when they did the same with Henry Yoki Haru. Um, and Yoki Haru ended up helping that Finnish junior team to the uh, World Junior Championship. Doc is still eligible to uh, join Team Canada for the World Juniors at the end of the year. And... I think I think that possibility does exist. Let's see how Doc does individually. Let's see where the team is. I think they have to make that decision by maybe uh, coming up next week or the week after, whether they're going to ship him off to Team Canada for the World Championships. Let's see how Doc is doing. Let's see how the team is doing and how Doc is playing within the scope of that. I think you also have to see if there are other guys who are knocking at the door in Rockford and playing really well. 
Whereas if they ship Doc away for two or three weeks of the World Championships, you know, they'd give him, they'd give another guy an opportunity. And um, we we see the schedule and how it is for the rest of the month of December, and it is daunting. And where the Hawks are at that point, and whether Kirby might need a little reboot or recharge from the grind of the NHL, I think that may, may play a factor into it as well. And this this whole year we knew it was going to be a, a trial for Kirby Doc in terms of how much he would play with the Blackhawks this year, how many games, and then later on affecting contract details and things like that. So I, I think you're right, the fact that let's see where Doc is at, let's see where the Blackhawks are at, because that could be just as beneficial for him in his progression throughout going through the NHL uh, if they're able to loan him over to Team Canada. And really quick, at SpyBoy99 is a huge Kane County Cougar fan. Oh, you can You can catch him at Northwestern Medicine Field all the time, so just definitely want to give a shout-out to Steve. All right, thanks for uh, asking your questions, and uh, thanks to, well, at least Steve and Margo. Come on, you guys. We're ready. We're ready, and it's been a rough week. We were expecting a little bit more and willing to take on uh, at least uh, most of the challengers, but uh, we'll do it again on our next podcast that uh, we'll – Record after Sunday night's game against Arizona and be available next Monday. Hey, let's uh, let's end this on a fun note because uh, the last week has not been fun in terms of the results for the Blackhawks. But uh, you caught up with a familiar voice. He's been missing here the last few games, though. Gene Honda, uh, we've been going with the backup here lately. Gene's probably busy doing many other things. But uh, you had a chance to catch up with Gene. Uh, I loved playing this after the post-game show on, when was it, Saturday night uh, on WGN Radio. And we want to share it here as well because a little uh, a little background and some storytelling from Gene Honda, getting to know the guy who everyone over at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field has known for years and here at the United Center too. Gene Honda's the man. Uh, he's got a million stories. He's got so many words of wisdom, and it's just awesome to hear him talk. I could listen to him recite the whole dictionary if he had the time to. Yeah, he talks about his time uh, in college in Champaign. He used to work at a radio station. He went in as an engineer. That's what he thought he was going to be by the time he left U of I, uh, but ended up finding himself working at a radio station, then doing some PA, then finding a job with the White Sox. He left the White Sox, came back. He's been there ever since, and obviously people know him here at uh, at the United Center, too. I know he was in Maui. I don't know if he's still there, because I'm pretty sure the Maui Invitational is over. Yeah. But I know Gene Honda is also uh, quite prone to hanging out to where he is situated for the, for work and just staying there a couple day or two later, whether it's Maui or even Champagne, if he's going to make a trip back. Yeah, if it's Maui, why not? Just why not? He's on a beach somewhere, maybe uh, having some uh, drinks with umbrellas or something in it. So here is Joe's fancy... Fancy pre-produced piece uh, on his visit with Gene Honda. There are many voices involved in a Blackhawks game. There's the television voice, Pat Foley. The radio voice, John Weideman, heard right here on WGN. There's the voice of the anthem, Jim Cornelison. And then there's the voice of the United Center, Gene Honda. More shift. Number 51, Brian Campbell. Honda's also the voice of Guaranteed Rate Field over on the south side. In fact, that's where he began his career, back in 1985 with the White Sox. I did it when I was at school down in Champaign, but never thought I could do it here. When they asked for applications in 85 for the White Sox, 
Honestly, the only thing I was trying to do is get my name out. The last thing I expected was you've got the job. Professionally announcing for over 30 years takes expertise. But Honda's delivery is based on a pretty simple method. Just talk. It makes things a lot easier. Everyone thinks you're supposed to have a deep masculine voice or a very soft feminine voice. And really all I have to do is be conversational. And being conversational is easy. As long as you stay a fan of the game. You're supposed to be as much of a fan as a fan. Sometimes you're going to be more fan than you are professional. And sometimes you're going to be more professional than you are a fan. You wind up using a lot of your body organs, your brain, your heart, your stomach, and your eyes. And sometimes when you mix all that together, it comes out. Gene Honda has never had a voice coach. He claims the coolest person to recognize him is legendary hockey announcer Doc Emmerich. Onto the back team. Fires! Getting a piece of that. Must have been Lundquist. Another His favorite name to say in hockey? Former Blackhawks goaltender Nikolai Habibulin. One NHL media guide still thought his name was Habibulin, and yeah, that, that little problem happens too, but those are fun. And that's not the first time a media guide has lied to Gene Honda. Apparently, we've all been saying Ozzie Gian's name wrong after all these years. Because if you ask Ozzie or Bob Costas, it's Gijen. It's because in 85, Costas was doing the NBC Game of the Week back then. He was on the field and asked him, how do you say your name? He said, Gijen. So to this day, Bob Costas is, I think, the only person who calls him Ozzie Gijen. Whether it's Gian or Gijen... Honda says there's a distinct difference when PA announcing for baseball compared to other sports. You have to assume that whoever you're introducing next is going to hit a grand slam. For hockey, for basketball, someone's done something. You could be down nine runs in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and nobody on, but you better introduce that next batter as if with one swing tie the game. You know better, but you've got to sell it that way. It's funny to hear Honda calling himself a salesman. How about a bartender? That's what he used to do back at the University of Illinois, slinging beers at Champagne's finest bar, Cam's. I guess for actors and actresses, you're a waitress or a waiter. Well, I think for for DJs, you were a bartender someplace. (laughs) And then I became a bar manager at a a quieter place, which was more fun. You get to talk with people. Whereas at Cam's, you didn't get that chance. (laughs) You can still find Gene Honda down in Champaign doing Fighting Illini football games. Sometimes you can find him in Hawaii doing the Maui Invitational for college basketball. But after 30-plus years of experience, will you always find Gene Honda in a state of confidence? Oh, no. I'll I'll get nervous any time. I'll be nervous first time, first game in Hawaii. Because for things you don't do often, that's when the nerves kick in. So even when I go on Channel 11, uh, you haven't done that in three months. And it's not something you're used to doing all the time. So that first one always drives me nuts. I always call it the waffle break because like making waffles, you should be able to throw the first one out. Alright, great stuff. Great visit by Joe with Gene Honda. Thanks for uh, thanks for putting that all together. It was, uh, it was good hearing Gene. I ought to be at Cam's back in the day when he was slinging some beverages uh, down, down in Champagne. Um, you did get the White Castle White Castle stuffing for Thanksgiving? Did get yeah, did get the White Castle stuffing. Uh, it was phenomenal as always. Once again, thank you, Mom. Uh, it's just as good reheated as it is the day of, which probably can't be said about original sliders. Uh, yeah, no, Thanksgiving was fantastic. Had a blast, did the double dip. And, uh, you know, it, it's really starting to turn into one of my favorite holidays. Yeah, yeah. And I hope everyone out there had a happy Thanksgiving as well. For the Blackhawks, I love the black uniforms that they've played in the two home games since. But uh, I'm not sure about the results from those from those uh, black uniforms so far. Um, hopefully they'll stick around and get some better results. But as we look ahead here, 
we didn't mention this on the podcast, but I'm sure Blackhawk fans are well aware. It is daunting because after Boston, New Jersey, a team that lost 7-1 to on Monday night while the Blackhawks are losing to St. Louis, a team that's really scuffling along as well. Hopefully the Blackhawks can make hay in New Jersey. It has not been an easy place for them to win historically. But after that, you get your first look at the Arizona Coyotes this year. Two games sandwiched against the Coyotes, one home, one road sandwiched around, another trip to Vegas. And then after Arizona next Thursday, you get to see the Blues again in St. Louis next Saturday. And then a Minnesota team that has suddenly found its way. They have inched their way above the Blackhawks in the standings. Uh, They have been playing pretty well. Oh, and then after Minnesota on uh, Sunday the 15th, you get Colorado at home, back out to Winnipeg, which is playing really well, and then back out to Colorado. So no big deal, right? (laughs) Well, I, I, I really don't like it when people ask hockey players, well, maybe change of scenery going on the road, that'll help, or really any sport for that matter. But who knows? I I think mainly you look at it as not a divisional opponent, and then it's not totally under the microscope when you're you're playing the Boston Bruins. But, boy, yeah, wow, the Hawks are playing the two teams that were in the Stanley Cup final in back-to-back games after playing arguably one of the most talented teams in the Colorado Avalanche. This is a rough stretch. It really is. But, again, that's why I consider it such bad timing for the Hawks to have this game with their injuries, with – being short a forward and just playing a very good team like St. Louis. So it was a tough game coming into, who knows, maybe the change of scenery thing will actually work. Yeah, it's uh, and many questions have to be answered from an injury standpoint. Um, and as we talked about some of the stuff this team has going on off the ice with injuries, the Mark Crawford situation as well. And uh, unfortunately, they've dug themselves a hole once again. Uh, following our last podcast, when optimism seemed to be seemed to be on the uptick, uh, all it takes is three games in this league. So we'll see how the Blackhawks are able to respond, how healthy they can get, and uh, be able to put a run run together. Joe, thanks again. This was fun, and we want to also thank all of you for tuning in and listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, sponsored by FanList. Thank you, FanList, for doing that. Also, thanks to Ernie Scatton and our producer. Curtis Koch. Once again, our next Blackhawks Crazy podcast comes your way on Monday morning as we'll tape following the next three-game sequence. Boston Thursday, New Jersey Friday, and then we'll uh, hit the microphones once again after the Sunday game against those Arizona Coyotes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have yourself a good week. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!